Olá. Anjangaseo. Imaranjideska. Hello. How are you? Could you just turn to five people around you and just say hello to somebody? And if you don't know them, just say, Hi, I don't know you, but hello, welcome. Just. Uh, what you just saw, that was a test by our church to see who's really not Presbyterian. Because Presbyterians, they just stop and they just go like this. <laughs> but if you stood up, you're probably a Baptist. Uh, if, you, if you got your hands up, you're a Pentecostal. So whatever you are, we're glad you're here. We're worshiping our Lord and Savior King. And it is exciting to worship with you. Today we're worshiping, uh, we're combining our Korean worship, 1130 Korean worship. Together we're one church. And so you'll see on the board um, flashes of Korean lettering. So, uh, so just if you can't read Korean, just keep your eyes on this lovely image right here. Uh, 여러분들은 여기 한국 글씨로 설교가 나오겠습니다. 그래서 제가 안 썼는데 엉터리로 썼으면 딴 사람이 썼으니까 제 자성 제제 잘못 아닙니다. And uh, I'm going to speak in English because my Korean is. You probably could tell, even if you don't speak Korean, what I just said sounded terrible. So, uh, but I just am glad to be here, and I'd like to ask us, would you join me in prayer before we go into the Word of God? Lord, your Word is truth. Your Word is life. Jesus, you are the living Word. And as we talk about kingdoms of God, the kingdom of God, and we think of kingdoms... We recognize that you have given us a clear picture that you want us to be invited into your kingdom for your glory, and it is good for us. It is not to make us slaves, it is not to make us miserable, but you are a good king who invites us into your reign so that we can know you and worship you. So help us by the power of your Holy Spirit that this word that we read will go into our hearts and teach us through your power and wisdom and not of man's and guide our church to be a kingdom-building community of people where your reign is established in our hearts. These things we pray graciously and humbly and excitedly in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we have entered into a series called The Kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is simply this— It's wherever the people of God are and God's reign and rule is over them. So the kingdom of God, it's not heaven, it's not a church, but it's everywhere God's people go and God's reign dwells, that is the kingdom of God. And the good news of the kingdom of God is not you get to go to heaven. We made it into going to heaven. It is not about going to heaven. It is starting a relationship with the living God who gives us life now. So we don't have to wait till we die to enter the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is here and now, and life as God meant it to be is intended for here and now. And that's why the church is always supposed to be going out. So with that, we sometimes mix up God's kingdom and our kingdom, and I'll be talking about this, but let me start... In 1979, I don't know how I still remember this trauma, but I was five years old, 
And I came out of my parents' church and in the parking lot, and my uncle said, oh, you could come into my car anytime, and he lets me sit in the back. You know, when you're five years old, you get to sit in the car and pretend you're driving with the keys turned off, you know, obviously. And I saw my uncle's car, so I ran to his car in the parking lot, and the door was open, so I sat in there. It was a, do you remember Pontiac Monte Carlo? Oh, yeah, that thing was... That was the bomb. It was gray with the brown leather. And I was like, vroom, vroom. And then these two girls come into the car. And they walk, sit down. And they, they're staring at me. And so I said, get out. This isn't your car. And you know, five years old. I only grew up last year. So I said, hey, this isn't your car. Get out. And they just looked at me like this. And so I said, get out. You know, like an obnoxious five-year-old. And then maybe like a minute passed, and I'm just so angry. How could they come into my uncle's car? You weren't invited. And then these, this man and a woman starts walking. It's a couple from our church. And they, they go, okay, uh, <clears throat> Jason, we have to go home now. It's, let's stop fooling around. Can you get out so we could go home? <laughs> and I just realized... It was not my uncle's car. <laughs> and these two girls were sitting in their parents' car. And I had made a total jerk of myself. And I got out, walked away. And the reason why I'm telling us this story is sometimes we can genuinely believe we are the authority and the power of where we are. And all along, it wasn't ours to begin with. Our lives, it's a kingdom. But we have a choice. Is it God's kingdom or is it Jason Coe's kingdom? And we believe because the world feeds us or we're sinful nature that this world and everything in it that belongs to me, it's mine. And God is showing us I got a better picture and it's because I love you. My kingdom is greater. And so we see this tension between these two kingdoms all the time. And you could go to church for 50 years and you still will battle with this tension of God's kingdom or my kingdom rule. And so in John chapter 18, I want to read this text and hear this conversation between Jesus and Pilate as they struggle out the Roman Empire versus the kingdom of God in this man who's arrested. So turn with me and I'll, read, I'll be reading from John 18, and it'll be up there. The script, there's scriptures up there. <clears throat> then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now, it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. By the way, just, it's so hilarious. They are falsely killing an innocent man, but... They didn't want to taint themselves with sin so they could have Passover feast. That's called what we call an irony, contradiction. It's like, I'm going to kill this person, but before I eat, I want to pray so God knows I'm a good person. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Just a real quick pause. Background is Jesus was arrested. He came before Caiaphas. And Caiaphas said, who are you? 
And he said, I am the Messiah. And Caiaphas said, kill him, blasphemer. So they, he came before the Sanhedrin, Jewish law, and they said, who, do you, who are you? And he says, Jesus says, I am the son of God. And what that means is, I am equal to God. And the Jewish peop- leaders wanted to kill him right then and there. But they brought him to Pontius because, this is how sick their anger and jealousy and selfishness was, they could have stoned him with rocks, but they wanted to bring to Pilate so he could die even a more painful death under the crucifixion. And John is telling us, but this is exactly what was foretold. So let's keep going. Verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Very just condescendingly, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replies, is that your own idea, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. So Pilate is the governor of of Rome over this area, and his authority is the Roman Empire. And it's funny because Pilate is having this conversation with the prisoner, and you see this clash. Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? And some people wonder if they're asking it this way. You know, like, uh, I hear this a lot. Are you the pastor of this church? And sometimes people say, are you the pastor? So I'm like, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> you know, you look like a little schlub. Anyway, I hear that a lot. Are you the pastor or are you the pastor? And so I think some people are wondering, is Pilate saying, are you the king of the Jews? Or he might be asking it as, you're the king of the Jews? And so you see Jesus is already beaten. He's already handcuffed. And you see his weakness from Pilate's eyes, who is this dignitary, and Jesus responds, (laughs) I love this, Uh, is that your own idea, or did others talk to you about me? It's equivalent to Jesus saying, as he's a prisoner, who do you say I am, Pilate? Don't listen to other people. That's what they say, but right now I'm talking to your heart. You're the governor of Rome. Who do you say that I am? And what's amazing here as we talk about these kingdoms is this. Who's in charge in this situation? Right now, in this situation, who is in charge? Come on, shy people. Who is in charge? Who do you think is in charge? No. The person in charge is Pilate. Who is in control? You see, it's funny. In your kingdom, when we live in our kingdom, I am the CEO. I, am, I make six digits a year. I have a house in blah, blah, blah. And you could be in control, I mean, charge, 
But God is always in control. And that's the foolishness of our kingdom. You come to church and people walk around like, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm an elder of this church. Uh, my <laughs> Who are you? Uh, we don't have that in CPCLN, thank God. But I, we've been to places where people are like, why are you here? And so we have people who think they're in charge. But no matter where you are in this world, God is in control. And Jesus is saying to Pilate, who do you say I am? Let's talk about you. And so they have a conversation, and Pilate asks next, I'm not a Jew. You know, your people brought me here. And Pilate asks the second question, what is it you have done? Did you ever get that? You know, you're, that's how we discipline our kids. We don't say, why did you do that? Don't ever ask kids, why did you do that? If kids hit someone in the head, you don't go, why did you do that? Kids never have an answer for that. Oh, my cognitive side told me I should strike this person with violence. No, they, they don't answer that. So we ask the kids, what did you do? And then the kids say, I smacked my brother upside the head. Is that right? No. And then you get them in trouble. And so we're identifying what is your crime. And Pilate is asking Jesus, what did you do? And he's asking maybe for Jesus to say, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. And listen to Jesus' response. Did you catch this? Pilate asks, what did you do? And Jesus responds, my kingdom is not of this world. (laughs) What a a weird answer. Do you want apple or strawberry? Sky is blue. I mean, it's it's like, what, what, what? I'm asking you what you did. You're telling me about your kingdom. Where's he going with this? If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus responds to the question of, what did you do? Why are you here with, I want to tell you about my kingdom. It's not here. In fact, my kingdom, if it were, my people will come and protect me and save me. See, I belong to a different set of kingdom and a different set of rules than you, Pilate. See, you're the Roman Empire. I'm not here because I violated your rules. I'm not here because I violated the Jewish leader's rules. I'm not here because of rule violation. I'm here because I live by a different set of rules. A rule in a different place is the kingdom of God and his reign. I live by his rules. And in fact, Pilate, I'm here not because I did anything wrong, but because of, can you say this word with me? Obedience. I'm here, Pilate, because I chose to be here. I am a king. But I'm here because in the kingdom of God, I have come to open up the door for all people to go in. I live by a different set of rules. This is the kingdom of God. You know, church is not, stop chewing gum, don't fall asleep. Church is not that. The church is... We are people who live by a different set of rules apart from man-made law. Amen? I I think that's great. I hate religion. I love God. I I hate ritualistic, empty, hollow shells. But I love the heart of Jesus Christ and the triune God. And Jesus is saying, 
I live by a different set of rules. So Jesus is there because of humble obedience. Third, Pilate asks, you, says, you are a king then. Jesus answers, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I love that. You are a king. And Jesus doesn't say yes or no. He says, here's what I am. I am the truth. The beauty of this is, Pilate goes like this. They're having this conversation. And Jesus says, I I was born to reveal truth. And Pilate goes, what is truth? And did you notice what Jesus says after that? Nothing. Jesus says nothing. What is truth? Jesus doesn't have an answer. Or does he? When Pilate says, what is truth? Jesus just stands there. What is he saying? You're looking at truth. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus doesn't have to defend himself. Pilate says, what is truth? And Jesus, I could almost see him if he was more like my personality, which I'm glad he's not. He's going, you know truth, standing right before you. But he's more dignified. Jesus just stands there and says, just open your eyes. You see, when we live in this, our own kingdom, we, we don't see truth. Do you ever hear that saying, um, you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong answer? Like this. Is 2 plus 2 5 or is 2 plus 2 7? Marilyn? And so, so people answer 2 plus 2 is... I'll take first one. So we, we don't even know what the right question to ask about life. And so when we look into our kingdom, we don't see truth. Jesus didn't come to answer your questions. He came to declare truth. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus didn't come to answer all your questions because our questions are flawed. He came to reveal absolute truth truth. And so he stands there. What is truth? And Jesus is going, here. And so Pilate goes to the crowd and says, I don't see anything wrong with this guy, people. What's wrong with you? And can we just try it in here for fun? Can you say crucify him? I mean, with feeling. Ready? Go. That was good. That was too good. Scary. So So Pilate, he's a governor, he's got Roman power, but he's a coward. And so he goes out there, and people are saying, crucify him. So he does this. He has Jesus, in chapter 19, Pilate has Jesus flogged. Really quick, if you don't know what flogged means, it's a Roman whip with like nine different leather strips. At the end of the strips, there's bones and metal strips. So when they whip your back... The skin gets dug in with bone, and then they rip it, pull it out. Roman flogging is not just a spank. It tears your skin off your body. And so Pilate has Jesus flogged, and his reason is this. I hope that you see, I'm serious, look at the severe beating he's got, and he's hoping the Jewish people will say, all right, we're happy. You've heard him. 
And then when he brings Jesus back out in a robe with crown of thorns, the people say what? Say it again. And Pilate realizes, I'm stuck here. I got an angry mob. I got a man who's kind of strangely making me creeped out. He is not guilty. And Pilate is thrown between these two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and his kingdom. And he's afraid of the mob because they say, if you don't kill this person, you are not a friend of Caesar's, the Roman kingdom. And so the people of God are challenging Pilate. You have to understand who your kingdom is. And Pilate is scared. So Pilate goes back and and they have one last conversation. And he says to Jesus, Don't you realize I have the power to free you or crucify you? So Pilate is thinking, Jesus, I'm in charge, right? I have the power to say, be freed. And how does Jesus respond? Oh, please, please save me. (laughs) I'm innocent, please. And listen to what Jesus says, because he is the king. He says, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. You would have no power if it were not given to you from above. Right now, I just want to say this. Wherever you are in life, no matter what you have accomplished, no matter what you have, and no matter how much you say, like, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. Can we just come to this point? (laughs) You have no power. We have no power. That wasn't given by the God above. You think I'm a pastor here because I'm smarter than anyone in this room? That's an absolute no. (laughs) Do you think you're an elder because you're holier, wiser, smarter? No way. Do you think you're a president of your company because you are just amazing? You worked hard, you strove for your best. But don't you ever forget, you have no power unless it was given from God above. And that humbles us. And so Pilate doesn't know what to do with that. Poor Pilate. So he goes back out, and he says, I can't crucify this man. And then they say, he claimed to be king. If Caesar is your king, you're no friend of Caesar's. So Pontius Pilate against his head and heart at this moment, as the kingdoms are colliding, goes with the mob and has him crucified. You see these two tensions. And I wanted to share this with us because in the kingdom of God, how many kings are there? There's only one. And with the church, I'm not t- if you're not a Christian, you're okay. <laughs> but if you're a church member, you've been a Presbyterian or Baptist, Methodist, you've been in church for a long time, we better get this. Our kingdom is God's kingdom. And in God's kingdom, there's only one boss, one king. And his name is Jesus. Amen? And even in his weakest moments, Pilate trembles before this prisoner because there is this prisoner who's acting like a king. And so... I want to just say a a warning before I say a final concluding thoughts. It's so easy to fail to see Jesus as king, isn't it? It's so easy to see, fail to see Jesus as king. 
Because here's how we picture Jesus. Blonde hair, blue eyes, perfectly shaved beard, nice white robe, petting a lamb. He's like Brad Pitt. He's like, so, 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 so wonderful. And Jesus is like, hi. Like, and we're like, he's nice, but doesn't make you want to go, I want to die for you. And we picture Jesus as his weakling, like this, this little doll and like a little, little rabbit's foot. Jesus, um, help me with my day tomorrow. And we treat him like a genie. <laughs> and we fail to see Jesus, he's king. And why do we do that? And I just want to share, I think there's three reasons why. Because Pilate failed to see Jesus as king because he thought Jesus was a failure. Now, if he was king, why would you be ready to be executed? Pilate saw Jesus, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not worth following. You're nice. You're a good teacher, but you're not king. And so Pilate didn't bow down to him. Pilate saw Jesus as irrelevant. Am I Jew? Why do you ask me, Jesus? I don't care who you are. And Pilate was seeing Jesus as irrelevant. Sometimes we see Jesus as irrelevant. I hear this all the time. I'll go to church, I'll worship, but do you know how important my life is right now? I, I go to church and I'll go to God one back. I, I, when I'm ready, I'll come back. But I got kids, I got programs, I got work. And I'm like, hold on, hold on a second. When was Jesus outside of your family? When was Jesus outside of your work? Why do we split Jesus? You stay at church. Don't you follow, like a little puppy. Don't follow me. You stay here while I do my real life. And so we see Jesus as irrelevant to our lives. And lastly, Pilate saw Jesus as only a model of good life. Jesus never came to be a model. Um, There was a bishop named N.T. Wright, and I, I love this quote. A lot of us think Jesus is a great teacher. He's a great model. Let's try to be like Jesus. That's not why he came. He didn't come to model, live just like me perfectly, and God will accept you. He didn't come to help us work. This is what N.T. Wright says. If God came either to teach or to model a perfect way of life, hoping that people would then obey him and copy him, we would have to conclude that he was a striking failure. You know why I know that's true? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I fail to follow Jesus perfectly every single day. Was that Jesus' failure? No. That's the reality, and that's why we need grace. Jesus didn't come so we could model him. He came to usher us in by grace into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is king. And what kind of king is Jesus? Um, how many of you know C.S. Lewis? How many of you know the Chronicles of Narnia? I love the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And so this is the picture of Jesus the King. You ready? Who is the Jesus figure in Chronicles of Narnia? Aslan the Lion, this beautiful lion. And Edward, he messed up. And Aslan goes to the witch who is going to kill Edward and says something. And then, Edward, you're free to go. And they're like, Yay! And they turn around and they see Aslan being dragged off by the witch. And all these monsters and beasts are going, yes, yes, yes. They're like, what's going on? And Aslan says, don't look back. They lead him to a stone slab. 
and they tie him down, and they take a knife, and they kill the lion. Edward was spared because this king took his place. And C.S. Lewis is making a direct correlation. What kind of king is this? He's a king who's willing to step into your death and to humble himself. We see, we don't serve a God who says, come and be perfect and I'll love you. He says, you can't be perfect, so I'll come to you. And the king steps off his crown and gives up his kingdom and comes to us. And so, there's a quote that N.T. Wright continues, the gospel offers us not so much a different kind of human, but a different kind of God. A God who, having made humans in his own image, will most naturally express himself in and us as that image. A God who made Israel to share and bear the pain and horror of this world. God faced a horror of creation. So, I want to just conclude with two thoughts. First, Jesus is the king that you and I have been waiting for, looking for our whole lives. The first point is, we have a king. And the king is not your job, it's not your kids, it's not your family, it's not you. The king we've been looking for that is perfect and good and has all his world in order is Jesus Christ, the only king who gave himself up for you. Scholars have found out all over the world, every culture, every human being, we're wired to worship a king. Did you know that? I'm going to say it. All of you are worshiping right now, not because you're in church. All the people out there in New York City, all over the world, they're worshiping something. Every single human being is worshiping something. It's because that's the way we're designed. The question is not, will you worship? You know what the question is? Who are you worshiping? Which king have you convinced yourself is your king of worship? And selfish, sinful people will say, I am my king. And I want to tell you, not to shame you, Jesus is a far superior king who loves you, who gave himself for you. And this is a kind of king. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I will not worship Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. I will not worship Vladimir Putin. I will not worship Caesar. I don't care how powerful these people are because none of these people have died and given up everything for me and you. But there's one king, and the king of this kingdom, his name is Jesus. And I want to ask you, really, who is the king you've been looking for? Do you have the right king? You have a king. You are worshiping. Is it the right king? And last, secondly, if Jesus is the king, when the Bible talks about sin and all these things, let this king rule over your heart. Um, you know, I, I remember as a kid, um, I think when I met celebrities, I met Henry, what's his name? The Fonz. Henry Winkler. You know, the Fonz, hey. I saw him shooting a film, and, and I was like, that's the Fonz. 
That's like my generation's, like, Brad Pitt. Anyway, so I went to Henry Winkler, and, and I was like, oh, hi. And he goes, hey. And I was holding Ethan, and I was like, can I take a picture with you? He's like, oh, yeah. And he, we were taking pictures, and he was so cool. He was the Fonz. Hey, right? So anyway, can you imagine if I go to Henry Winkler, somebody that's kind of well-known, and I say, hey, Henry, you don't know me. Come here. Let's take a picture together. I mean, what would, what would he do? He might laugh, or he might say, what punk? And the point is, when you go before someone who's kind of known or important, you're not the boss, are you? When Jesus is the king, we're saying, Jesus, rule over my life. Rule over my heart. All my pains and joys, claim it. I want to follow you. See, when you have a king, you are no longer living by your agenda. You are no longer living by your goals and dreams. But you exist for this king's glory. So those two things I want to leave you with. Which king are you worshiping in this kingdom of God? Jesus is the king worthy of it. And two, are you letting Jesus rule over your heart? Tim Keller says this quote, when the Bible talks about sin, it's not referring to the bad things we do. It's not just lying or lust or whatever the case may be. Listen to this. The Bible's definition of sin is this. It is ignoring God. Ignoring God. Ignoring God in the world he has made. You could be the religious person and ignore God. You could not be in prison and you're fine, but you live in sin because God is ignored in your life. And so let me end with this just little visual to end. And Chris Tomlin, he wrote uh, How Great Is Our God. How many know Chris Tomlin? And uh, we had a, I went to a, like a little conference and Chris Tomlin was right there. We were asking him questions. And somebody said, Chris, how do you stay so humble? You're like the most amazing man in the world. Everyone loves your songs. And Chris Tomlin says, let me tell you a story. And he says, think of this as a kingdom. And there's a king. And I'm his servant. And he says to the servant, go to this land and pick up this jewelry for me. So I go pick up this jewelry. And he says, bring it to me. So I'm bringing it back. As I'm carrying this precious jewelry, people are going, oh, that's so beautiful. Wow, that, that's gorgeous. Is that yours? And at first you're like, No. And as you're carrying it, the people are saying, you got the most beautiful jewelry in the world. And you have a choice. You could say, it's mine. It is mine. It's beautiful, isn't it? Or you could say, this is not mine. Me and the king, me and this thing belong to the king. Everything I own and everything I have is the king's. And I'm just bringing it back to him. When you live in God's kingdom, everything we have is not yours. It's the king's. And we're merely bringing it back to the king who died for us so that we could be part of his kingdom, so that his name could be glorified, so that in your heart and in this land, the kingdom of God goes forth with Jesus ruling and bringing things back. That is your king. Let's pray. God, I pray that 
in this moment, especially before we take communion together. There is this in us, this battle that we're just holding on and that we want to be in charge when all along we know you're in control. And so for some of us in the church, we ask for your forgiveness and we repent of our sin of ignoring you as the king. Even with singing songs like joyful, joyful, we adore thee, we still believe it's our kingdom. Forgive us. And some of us in this room, Lord God, we're just on this journey. We don't know if, God, you're worthy of following, but as we see the story of a different kind of God and a different kind of king who is truth, invite us into your presence. Rule over us. And as we take this bread and cup, remind us that this king didn't just sit on the throne, but he loves us and died for us. And would you raise up in this church and in this land people who live in your kingdom who are bringing all people back to you. These things we pray, God, from the depths of our hearts. In the name of the one who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.